well, hey, this is Eric. I'm one of the ministers at Regency. I just wanted to thank you for checking out this message. We're praying that God uses this message to draw your heart closer to Him. If you're ever in the Mobile area, we want to invite you to join us for worship on Sundays at 10 a.m. If you'd like to find out more information about Regency or to check out some other resources, visit our website at regencycc.org. Well, you did it. You survived 2020. Some of us wondered if we would actually make it, and yes, we have. We survived 2020. And it was filled with a lot of crazy stuff, am I right? I remember standing up here almost a year ago to the day and presenting to you what had all happened in 2019 and then talking about how excited we were about 2020 and a lot of the plans and goals that we had set as a church family as we were going to ask the question, what's next? What's next for us as a church? And we had a lot of great stuff planned and then most of it got scrapped pretty quickly. Life changes quickly. So I want to remind you just for a couple of minutes of some of the things that have happened over the last year, because I don't know if you realize everything that's going on, and this is not a recap of everything, it's just some of the highlights, because sometimes we're going to look back, we're going to think about the year 2020, and we're going to think, man, that, that was a struggle. There was a lot of a bad stuff happening, and there definitely was, but there were also a lot of blessings that came from 2020. So here's a couple that are highlights in my mind. Uh, we totally renovated our auditorium lobby uh, fellowship room space, all of the side classrooms, all of that got a, a renovation from a blessing that came from a pretty terrible situation as part of our church building was flooded right at the beginning, right at the end of January of 2020. Uh, come March, everything shut down really quickly. And as a church family, I want to praise all of you because we quickly pivoted to online church and we had great participation as we worshiped online in our homes. And some got together in small groups, some stayed at home, some are still worshiping from home. But that pivot to online church was something that I thought was really cool. And as a result of doing that, we're now live streaming our services. And as I told you at the beginning, now live streaming to Facebook and YouTube, trying to reach as many people as we possibly can. That was a tremendous blessing that came out of all of this. Uh, several couple of months ago, we had a Sunday after we had start meeting again where our auditorium got really full. And after that Sunday, the leadership met and said, we've got to start a second service. And the next Sunday, we began the 830 worship service. Now, I just want to take a minute and praise our elders publicly because there's a, a lot of places that I've been at and a lot of churches out there who their leadership would have taken a lot of time to discuss whether or not we needed to make that change. Our leadership said, let's do it. And they jumped in all, all, all the way in and did it in a week. And within a week, we were running two services. And there was a lot of stuff to work out and a lot that we're still working out. But I'm just so thankful for a leadership that's willing to act when changes need to be made. Uh, some of the other stuff that, that's happened uh, over the course of the spring and especially the summer, many of you donated food and donated money. And I don't know how much money and how much food was donated, but it was a lot because we continued to provide food for students from Fondi Elementary, a school system that we've kind of partnered with as a church family so that their children who some rely on food from the school system weren't receiving it while everything was shut down. And many of you stepped in and filled a tremendous need. Uh, Andrew Howell, our youth minister, has done a wonderful job over the last several months of leading our youth group at a time that 
I couldn't imagine being a youth minister during COVID and having every summer plan canceled and having to change on the fly and still providing great stuff for our students to do and keeping them uh, involved in everything that's going on. Alan has made hundreds of phone calls. Many of you have received those phone calls on a regular basis, being checked uh, as he's checking in, seeing how you're doing, what, what you need. Do you need the, any prayers, any updates, that sort of thing? This is a great church family, and I'm so glad that you're a part of it. Uh, we had our first ever virtual VBS. That was fun. We even had a church from another state that participated with us. We had two unity gatherings with area churches. Uh, we had a record turnout to our trunk or treat. Skip and Liz Burris did a great job of figuring out a way that we could still honor our 40-something widows and widowers that are a part of the Regency family. And many of you came and participated and delivered meals and helped bag food and, and just made that day really special for a lot of really special people. Uh, we've had new people join the Regency family. Uh, we've had people that have given their lives to the Lord. And we have people that worship online with us every week, some who live in Mobile, some who do not live in Mobile that join us every week online. So as I look back upon the last year, yeah, it's been a struggle. There's been a lot that's happened. But man, God has blessed us as well. And I hope we never forget that. And you know this, and you were reminded of this this last year, as was I. Life can change quickly. You get a devastating phone call. You get a positive pregnancy test. One of your parents passes away. You get a new job. A global pandemic hits us. Life changes quickly. So back during uh, the years between 65 B.C. and 8 B.C., there was a man that lived by the name he was known as Horus. And he wrote a lot of different works. And he lived during the, during the rule of the Roman Empire under Caesar Augustus, the same Caesar Augustus who tried to murder baby Jesus, Jesus when he was just a little baby and little infant. And so he's living during that time and he writes a lot of different things. And there's one thing that he wrote that became really popular. It was a, a little phrase out of one of his works that he published that a lot of people kind of grabbed hold to and you even still hear people say it today. It's the phrase carpe diem. You've heard the phrase carpe diem. In fact, talk to me. What does the phrase carpe diem mean? What does it mean? Seize the day. We all know carpe diem, man. Seize the carp. Just kidding. Seize the day, right? It's this idea of in the Greek, what he literally meant was pluck the day. Don't trust in the next one. Make this one as good as possible. And so for many people, it's kind of their mantra. It's the motto that they live their life by. I'm going to seize today. I need to make today as awesome as, as it can possibly be. I need to bring as much pleasure and as much happiness into today because I don't know if I'm ever going to have another one. But there's a downside to that. The downside to carpe diem and finding as much pleasure in today is that you could actually damage tomorrow. That you could make decisions today that have such an impact on tomorrow, but you don't realize it because you're simply focused on today. Well, about 75 years later, after Horace has passed on, this phrase, carpe diem, was still circulating throughout the known world. And there was another individual who published a lot of works, in fact, whose works we still read today. He grew up and became one of the most devoted followers of God there ever was. In fact, he was a part of, of this, uh, this elitist religious group that was so devoted to God that they took God's commands literally. We know them as 
Pharisees. And he was so devoted to God, he was also part of this group called Zealots. And the Zealots would actually cause harm to other people if they didn't follow God the way that they thought you should follow God. And so during his life, early life, this movement began by this guy named Jesus. And there was a lot of people that began to follow Jesus, and there was a lot of excitement and people that were becoming Jesus followers. And this individual who was so devoted to God thought this Jesus movement was against God's will. And he actually started persecuting Christians and throwing those Jesus followers in jail. And on one of his road trips to do that, he receives this vision from Jesus himself. And he recounts this moment, this life-changing moment, several times uh, throughout his life. And it's been left recorded for us. And his life is so affected by this encounter that his life makes this radical turn. And he goes from being one of the greatest opponents to Jesus to becoming one of the most devoted followers of Jesus. Many of us know him as the Apostle Paul. Many of his letters are left for us in what we call the New Testament. And not only was he that devoted, but he was even willing to be thrown in jail for his beliefs. And on one occasion, he's in jail, and he sits down and he pins this letter to a group of Christians, the city of Ephesus. And we have this letter recorded for us that's found in our Bibles that's called the Letter to the Ephesians. And I don't know if Paul has in his mind this phrase, carpe diem. I don't know if it's from the Roman poet Horace. I have no idea. But it seems like maybe he's kind of going after this idea of seizing the day. And here's what Paul writes for us in, Roman, in Ephesians chapter 5, starting around verse 15. He says then, Look carefully how you walk, not as unwise, but as wise, making the best use of of your time. Now, why does he say, look carefully how you walk? He's using this idea of walking as a metaphor. And he's encouraging us to look carefully because in the context of Ephesians 5, he's talking about light and darkness. It's a theme that runs all throughout the Bible. Have you ever tried to walk in the darkness? My guess is you have. Some of us know our home so well that it can be pitched pitch black, and we can make our way from one end of the house to the other because we know exactly where the sofa's sitting, and we know exactly where the chair is, and we know exactly how far out the table sits, and we can find it as we make our way through our house in pitch darkness. But the problem is, is that sometimes we go walking through our house, and there are things that shouldn't be where they are, like Legos on the floor. Have you ever walked through your house... And you know exactly where everything is except the Legos. And you can't tell a difference from walking on Legos to walking on hot coals because the reaction is the same. You jump. But the problem is gravity, right? And then you come back down on the Legos again and you're trying to get through and you might as well to avoid mouse traps unsuccessfully because it tears up your feet. The problem is not so much the Legos as it is you need some light. Because if you had light, you would have seen the Legos and decided, I need to walk around. Well, it's not just that you needed light, but you thought you could walk through the darkness because you didn't think the darkness was so dark. You thought, oh, I can see. I can see the corner of the table. I can see the edge of the couch. But you couldn't see something so clearly in front of you. You know, we have an enemy that we call Satan, who's really good at making the darkness not look so dark. 
who's really good at making that darkness, that evil that we're so attracted to, he makes it look really good, and our hearts are naturally pulled towards the darkness. That happens all the way back in Genesis 3 and all the way ever since. For each of us, our hearts are naturally drawn towards the darkness. And you have on the other side God who is light saying, no, walk this way, yet our hearts are drawn towards the darkness. All of us are a lot like the Mandalorian who's constantly tempted by this idea of taking off his helmet. And he's conflicted because he's being challenged with this set of beliefs that he's told is really ancient. And even new Mandalorians, don't they take off their helmets. And so the Mandalorian is, is in this moment, you can see it through his helmet, if you could picture his face, of being challenged in his views, should I take off my helmet? And then he finally does. And if I just spoiled it for you, you've had way too much time to catch up on season two of The Mandalorian. So spoiler alert, you see his face. It's, it's awesome. It's a great, great series. But we're all like that. We're all being challenged in our views and we're all conflicted in what we think, and we're drawn towards what we know we probably shouldn't be. And it's a challenge for us. And I wonder if Paul's point is because we can get so comfortable with walking, why he says, look carefully where you walk, is because we can get so comfortable with walking that we stop paying attention. So, a couple of months ago, I was running, I was going on a jog through our neighborhood, a route that I've taken many times. And as I'm jogging, I'm listening to a podcast, I'm not really paying attention. And there's a a little section where the concrete, one of the little strips of concrete, is just slightly elevated. I mean, it's not much. In fact, if you kind of look at it, you don't really see that it's elevated, but it's just a slight elevation. And apparently, as I was jogging, I wasn't picking up my feet very good. I was on about mile 15. Just kidding. I never even contemplated running that far. I was like on quarter of a mile. And, and I'm going around, and apparently my, the edge of my shoe clipped the raised concrete. And I realized, you know, life kind of slows down in that moment. And I realize I'm going down. I cannot, I can't regain my balance. I'm going to fall. And now I have two choices. And by the way, all this happens a lot faster than I'm telling you. But I realize in my mind, I have to make a decision. Am I going to face plant on the concrete or am I going to dive towards the, the grass on the left? I've got those two choices. Well, I can't afford to get any uglier, so I opted for diving to the grass. And as I'm going down, I dove towards the grass, and I tucked my head, and I did this beautiful somersault roll, and I popped right up on my feet. I've yet to see the video. Somebody on their ring camera had to have caught it and posted it online, but I can't find it. And I stand up, and I look around because I'm thinking, Lord, please, nobody, please, I hope nobody saw that. And I didn't see anybody around, or they were probably laying on the ground laughing so hard at seeing this sight. And I kind of bent over, and I caught my breath. I thought, whew, that was close. And then I started running again. This time I slowed down even slower, and I paid attention to my feet because I knew if I didn't, the next time may not turn out so good. Paul says, look carefully how you walk because he knows something about us. He knows that we stop paying attention, that we get caught up in life, and the days fly by, the weeks fly by, months and years. And some of us who have some age behind us, we look back and we say, where has the time gone? What happened? How did we get here? And the danger is that we could wind up going someplace that we never intended. 
Because life is constantly on the move. You're never stagnant. You never stay in the same place. That's why Paul says be careful how you walk because you never stop moving. Your life never stops moving. It's constantly moving in a direction. And if you're not intentional about where you are going, then you will wake up one day in a place you never dreamed you would be, and it will be your worst nightmare. And you'll go, how did I get so far from God? How did I get here? Well, it was a a, a series of decisions that you didn't realize. It's like a boat that's out on the water that's being blown by the wind and pulled by the current and doesn't have an anchor. That boat's going to move, and it's going to go wherever the current and the wind sends it. And you can't sit there and say, why is the boat moving? You know why the boat's moving. You can't ask, where has all the time gone? It's gone the same place it's always gone. It just moves constantly. And as some of us parents say, the nights are long, but the days are short, we look up and we say, man, how did we get here? When did I get this old? Where did life go? It's because we weren't paying attention. So Paul says, look carefully. Here's another translation. He says, pay very careful attention to how you walk. Not as unwise, but as wise. Making the best use of the time. Here's why I think he says, pay very careful attention. Because how you live matters. It matters. There are many who would say, ah, it doesn't matter what I do. It doesn't matter what choices I make in life. I'm just seizing the day, doing whatever I want to do. It's not that big of a deal. But it absolutely is. How you live matters because the decisions that you make today will definitely impact tomorrow. Life is a lot like a chessboard. If you ever played chess, then you know that every move that you make impacts future moves because you can't take them back. You can't say, oh, that was a mistake. I wish I had done this. No, every move you make impacts every future move and it unlocks every move, thousands of more possibilities. And the goal in life is to see the board, to be able to see one to two moves ahead. That's called wisdom. Can I determine what's going to happen as a result of this decision? That's called wisdom. I've never met an individual who woke up that day and said, today's the day I'm going to ruin my life. Today's the day I'm going to destroy my relationships. Could you, if you could just see the consequences of your decisions, would you do things a little bit differently? I've never been to a wedding where the person, the two people standing up at the altar, one of them is asked for their vows, asked to repeat, says, do you take them to be your lawfully wedded spouse, blah, 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 blah. I've never heard them say, I do, for a little while. I've never heard that before. I, I've never been talking to a parent, and that parent said, you know, today's the day I really hope I royally mess up my children. I hope today is the day I set their hearts against me and against the Lord. I've never heard that before, yet it happens. I've never heard someone say, you know, today's the day I hope I destroy all of my credibility and all of my relationships. I've never heard it, but it happens. It doesn't happen in a day. It happens over a series of decisions over a period of time. Because how you live matters. And so wisdom is the ability to see into the future the consequences of your decisions in the present. If you could know how your choices and decisions would affect those around you, if you could see that, would you do some things differently? I think all of us would. That's why Paul says, pay very careful attention to how you walk. 
Because how you live matters. I think the second reason is because if you're paying very careful attention, you won't miss those valuable opportunities. I can't tell you how much I've missed in life because I wasn't paying attention. I've never been the greatest at paying attention. I don't remember a lot about my childhood. I have like these little glimpses and quick little memories. My parents all the time were like, hey, do you remember when? No, I don't. I didn't have a bad childhood. I just don't remember. I don't know if it's because I wasn't paying attention or because I've got so much other stuff rolling around in my brain that that's what my brain pushed to the back and I can't recall it. I don't know. I just missed it. And I wonder how much of my, have I missed in my own family? It really challenges, challenges me what James says in James chapter 4. I think it's in verse 14. He writes, Why do you not even know what will happen tomorrow? What is your life? You are a mist that appears for a little while and then vanishes. I read that verse and I think about all the missed opportunities. Missed opportunities. M-I-S-T. Missed opportunities. It's those opportunities that are there only for a quick second. They're there for just a quick minute and then bam, they're gone. It's the conversation, the opportunity to have the conversation in the car ride with your children or with your spouse or with your friends. It's the opportunity to share your hope in Jesus with a grieving neighbor or coworker because they've lost a loved one. And that opportunity to insert Jesus into the conversation, it's there for, for just a... That door is only open for a quick second. That opportunity is there and then it's gone. You can't wait till tomorrow. Tomorrow the opportunity is gone. It's right now. In fact, in an hour it might be gone, but right now there it is. It's a missed opportunity. M-I-S-T. It's only there for a second. It's like the conversations that we can have over the dinner table that are so powerful and so important for us to share together as families. And I don't know if your family got to gather together over Thanksgiving or Christmas, whether you chose not to or whether you were able to gather with a small group, but my guess is there are families that gathered together over the holidays that sat around the same table and ate the same food, but were all separated in different worlds because they were all on their phones, all fixated on something that was going on that didn't even matter. Missed opportunity. Sitting at a restaurant the other night, family sitting just table beside us, three or four-year-old sitting at the table. If you're a parent, you remember what those days were like. It, it's, a, it's a fine balance of chaos, controlled chaos. The kid was behaving pretty well. One of the parents was just on the phone the whole time. And I'm thinking, oh man, four was a fun age. Man, when my kids were four, that was a great time. Goodness, how much did I miss when my kids were age four? How much have I missed with the ages that they are now, eight and eleven? How, how much am I missing because my face is stuck on a device or because I'm glued in on a TV watching a game that doesn't even matter? What are we missing, folks? I think that's why Paul says, pay careful attention. Because the nights are long, but the days are short. And you don't get it back. And so he doesn't say carpe diem. He doesn't say seize the day. He says make the best of the time. Make the most of the time. Not to fill it with pleasure, but to fill it with meaning. To be intentional about how am I going to use this time? How will I pay attention to today so that it sets me up for a great tomorrow? Because there's a very good possibility that I'm going to have a tomorrow and another day after that and another day after that. And if I don't, I will have made the most of today, but I will not sacrifice today. I will, excuse me, I will not sacrifice tomorrow for today. Because I don't want to miss what's happening now. 
and I don't want to miss what's going to happen soon. I want to pay very careful attention. Because I don't want to wake up one day and go, where am I? How did I get here? How did I ruin this relationship? How did I walk away from the Lord? How did I run my family away? Where did, I, where did all this come from? How did this happen? I want to know, because we must pay very careful attention. And so this year, 2021, I hope that you'll join us on a journey. Not a journey to seize the day, but a journey to make it count. That's what we're seeking to do. To be very intentional with everything that we do. And we're not going to pay attention to it all. There's going to be stuff that we miss. There's going to be moments where we get caught up in stuff that doesn't really matter. We get distracted. It's in those moments. Let's repent of it. Let's lay it before God and say, God, I, I missed it. Today was not my day, but tomorrow if you give me another one, Lord, it will be. Tomorrow's the day I'm going to be intentional. Tomorrow will count. Because I want to make it count. And so this year, we want to be intentional about every day. We want it to matter. So over the next several weeks, we're going to spend time talking about how can we make it count in our faith? How can we make it count in our finances? How can we make it count in our families? And how can we make it count in our friendships? We labeled them all with the letter F just for you because we thought you'd love it. Make it easy to remember. And also what we're hoping to do, Lord willing, and we learned everything is planned with an asterisk subject to change, but we want to have some intentional things that we do as a church family, whether they're activities or opportunities or seminars or classes, where we are encouraging each other and learning better how to be more intentional in some of these areas. Because we want to make it count. Because we know, while we're not promised to tomorrow, we need to make this moment, we need to make today, make the most of it. We want it to count. So this year, I hope that your mantra will not be Carpe diem. Because I don't want you to, to sacrifice tomorrow for today. But if your motto for this year is make it count, then I promise you, if you'll pay attention to how you walk, to how you live, as Paul encourages us, then tomorrow will matter as much as today. And you'll wake up a year from now, 10 years from now, 30 years from now, and you'll know exactly where you are because you've allowed God to guide you there instead of just drifting into this person you never desired to become. So this year, let's make it count. Today, if you want to make it count, give your life to Jesus. A new year filled with new hope and new opportunities. That can begin by you giving your life to Jesus. I can't think of a better way to make today count than by seeing someone baptized into Christ. If you are a follower of Jesus, but you've got distracted from life, you wake up and it's 2021, you go, I, I don't even know what, where to go. I don't know what to do. I don't know how I got here. You can start new today. Beginning today, you can make it matter. You can make it count. So if we can pray with you, if you want to do that publicly, or if we can encourage you after the service, find one of us that will encourage you and walk with you and pray with you, don't leave today if there's something on your heart. We can help you in any way. Won't you come as we stand and sing this song?